Hey now, it's been so long. Um, hi, how are you? Well, 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 excellent, excellent, yes. It has been a while. Um, missed you a lot, a lot. Um, but have been, um, very productive, I would say, in the time that I have been gone, um, I believe where we left off last, um, I was really not vibing with, um, smoking at all, like, at all, like, it was making me cranky, it was making me very, very cranky, um, and it could have been the quality of what I had, most definitely, um, smoking poor quality stuff. The, it's like the equivalent, when you're doing it medicinally, it's like the equivalent of eating a bag of Cheetos for nutrition. Like, just not cool. Um, so yeah, I wasn't vibing with it. And um, I really, really, really wanted to take a break from it. And it's one thing that I talk about a lot, living um, indigenously living intuitively, your body will tell you exactly what it needs. Um, if you miss the signs of what your body needs, the universe all around you, all around you, both natural and, um, <clears throat> and man-made will position itself in a way to show you repeatedly what it is that you need. And it's so important once you tune into those cues, even on a small level, then that way of thinking and that path will open up to you more and more and more. And just being able to recognize signs will open up your hearing and open up your sight. So I'm so glad that I just went with it and did it. Um, even though it was a very short period of time, um, after starting on this cannabis regimen and I really wanted to go for 60 days, uh, nonstop, but I couldn't ignore the unction to do that. And honestly, it just worked out really well. Like, um, I felt so good. And I just started a new little challenge. Squeaky chair confessional. Um, I had just started a little challenge with a uh, some peeps on um, Facebook. Look at me, social media. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, this is just opening all kinds of doors. Because usually I am like... I'm just kind of out of sight, out of mind. I'm just like a rumor of a friend. Like, people think they knew me once. But, you know, like, no one ever knows what part of the world I exist in or how or why. Um, and that has been quite alright with me. Quite alright. And um, now, as I'm, as I'm journeying um, and trying to fulfill purpose... I am naturally feeling not a pull, it's more like an unfolding. 
um, around people. And I really feel like my trip to Norway kind of exploded that for me because um, not only was I required to be around people, flaws and all, and y'all, there were many, many flaws. I was so, 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 so depressed. There were so many flaws. And these people just loved me, loved me, loved me, told me what I needed to hear, but loved me. Um, the group that I was with, and um, it was, you know, being thrown out there with people and then realizing that I was going to be even further thrown out there in a larger way kind of just broke the spell off of recluse mode. And it's kind of cool because I remember when um, I uh, started work at the YMCA in San Francisco in... 2006? I believe it was 2006. Yeah. Um, when I started working there, um, we, I was um, part of this little, like, little meeting and with all of the, like, <laughs> all of the managers, like, I don't know if it was an interview. It might have been an Oh, it might have been my interview. It just seemed like they had it in this big, like, conference room. So it seemed like, it seemed almost like a retreat. But um, I remember them asking me where I saw myself in five years. And I told them that I saw, <laughs> this is what I said in an interview, I saw myself living as a hermit. Um, like someplace like uh in the mountains or in the country in this little place and people could come and they could visit me um but I would just kind of stay there and I would have my child be like educated um and taught things by all the people that would travel through and visit us and once a year I would have one big party and see all my friends and I remember them sitting there and I remember the like the guy that ultimately ended up being my boss said that sounds like that would be overwhelming. And I had always just thought of it as being peaceful. <laughs> and I had told many, many people that this was my dream, that this is what I wanted to do. Um, and I always had one child back then. She was, I'm sorry, there's a mosquito, and we just, no, not today. You guys have eaten me up now. <laughs> my skin hurts. Um, yeah, uh, my, my brother and my sister-in-law were over earlier, and so um, my front door was open for a period of time, and some mosquitoes came in, but I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over it. I smell too sweet for them. Um, and I put on, like, some jasmine perfume. Um, just because I wanted a mood. But, um, blah, blah, blah. yeah, but I had always thought it was just really, like, peaceful and cool. And the child was always a boy back then because I wanted to be the mom of, like, a really cool boy. 
And then I grew up and realized that there were quite enough cool boys in the world and that there needed to be some really cool girls. So God, please, please, if you hear me, if you love me, please let her be a girl, God, please. Please, please, if she's already a boy, God, let her be a girl, God. I'm like, yeah, I prayed hard, hard. <laughs> and I was rewarded. Um, but yeah, he said that to me. And then it's really funny because less than two years later, um, I was back at home in Oklahoma and I just kind of like fell off the map for everyone. Like a few people were in touch with me throughout the first couple of months. I had one friend who really stayed in touch with me consistently. And by that, I mean, we talked like every single day and some years, like several times a day. But um, even my family, like I was just kind of off the map for my family and my mom, um, <clears throat> my mom was sick, um, during that phase, um, I came home to take care of my grandmother, and my mother got sick, and so I took care of her for nearly, nearly two years, um, and she had, uh, colon cancer of the brain and liver it it metastasized and moved to those two parts of her body um and funny like two weeks before she got um diagnosed I just fell into this like stupor like there was nothing wrong with me I wasn't depressed anything if anything like life was super cool like I had just moved home and um it was going through a really cool renaissance and all of the businesses that I had ever wished were there when I was a kid now existed and the people doing it were my age and there was just plenty of room to create and build and all of the interviews were fun to go on and it was just a really exciting time and um, I remember my mom asking me not to take this really cool job that I got and I was just like, okay, and I didn't know why, but I turned down the job, and then I just kind of fell into this stupor, like I was just tired all the time, and maybe I was depressed. I didn't feel depressed. Everyone around me thought, like, is she depressed? I just knew it was just really important for me to, like, do nothing. Like, I didn't know for how long, I just knew it was important to do nothing, and I remember I watched all of Lost. Um, and, um, then I remember my mom after like about two weeks of me doing this, I was watching all of Lost because I think the season finale was coming up. Um, when all that, I don't remember what now, cause it went on a little while longer after that. Um, this is before all the bullshiz happened with Lost, if you watched Lost, but anyway, um, there was a season finale coming up, and so I was, like, binge-watching them. This is when streaming very first hit, um, but it was, like, uh, I think it was ABC.com that I was watching it on, and um, I got all the way up until, like, um, the night, like, right before. I remember watching the season finale in the hospital with my mom um the night that I found out her diagnosis um but 
I remember people asking, is she depressed? What's wrong with her? They were whispering around me, but I just like nothing was wrong. I'm just watching Lost and just chilling in my niece's room. I had taken over it with an air mattress. <laughs> um, but then um, I got a phone call. My mom had told me earlier that she was going in for a physical. And that was like my mom would like not go to the doctor at all. And then like once a year she would go and get just a checkup. Um, and so, um, I had to come up to the hospital because she couldn't drive and she was telling me that they were going to do a little, a little test on her the next day and it was going to be a routine little thing and nothing to worry about, no big deal, but could I come up there and get the car because she usually took my niece and nephew, um, to school. And I'm like, sure. And I go up there and my mom's in this hospital bed and I've never seen her in a hospital bed before, um, ever. Um, the only time, yeah, just never. So then, um, we are, um, we're sitting there and Lost is, it's the season finale of Lost and my mom cannot stand this show, but you know, when your parent has you come to the hospital to see them whatever you want to do is super interesting to them <laughs> it's like they want to know every single thing about you even your ridiculous show that you're into and so we're watching it and then finally you know I want to talk to her about this little procedure she's having and then I see her chart and I don't know why I don't know why it was sitting over there but I was like oh is this your chart? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Can I look at it? And she's like, sure. You know, and it's like a legit chart with all of the little like, um, physician shorthand and, you know, staff nurses, you know, the language that they would understand. And so I think, you know, these little x-ray things and you know, I think my mom was just thinking like it would look like gibberish to me. And then the minute I open the cover, the realization dawns on my face like, oh crap. She she just spent like five years working in gastroenterology and I have colon cancer. And so I'm looking and I keep seeing this CX, this is CO, CX. And I'm just looking, CX, CA, CX, CA. And I'm just like okay and then I'm seeing the brain I'm seeing the liver I'm seeing metastatic and I'm just like okay tell me again about this procedure my mom you guys was trying to convince us she was always like no big deal don't worry she was trying to convince me that a full-on brain surgery was something as simple as a biopsy on a lump on your breast or something <laughs> not full-on like they sliced my mom's head open removed um these freaking golf ball sized tumors plural out of her head um and then like began to make a lot of really bad mistakes um a lot of really bad mistakes that really really damaged my mom the she recovered from um, the surgery really fast. Like going in, they told us to prepare for the fact that she would be a vegetable. 
um, prepare for the fact that she may never walk or talk again or know who we were. Um, and they wanted us to, you know, be really clear about this. And so I got to tell my brother and my sisters, uh, my brother and my sister about what was going on too. And, um, you know, my mom was very adamant about having her dignity in the care that she received. And there were things that she did not want disclosed and I did not disclose them. Um, I was her power of attorney and I um, listened to her so long as she was sound to give me the instructions, I listened to her. And um, I don't regret that to this day. I remember when my mom, at a point that she was really, really ill, rent came on and we watched it together. And during the time that my mom was sick, we watched so many movies, so many movies. Um, I, at that time, Lars and the Real Girl was my favorite movie. I had to watch it every single night <laughs> to go to sleep every single night <laughs> to go to sleep. My mom thought I was so weird. Um, but when she re when she was recovering from her brain surgery um, was during this period and she was sleeping on, we were at my sister's house and she was sleeping on this little air mattress on my sister's living room floor. Um, it was where she was comfy. Um, and I think it's because the medicine would make her dizzy and she would have seizures. And so it wouldn't like she didn't have to risk falling out of bed or anything if she was on the floor. Um, but I remember her watching this um, one night because I turned it on and I fell asleep. And the next day she's talking to me about it. I think actually she watched it the whole thing before I did because I think I fell asleep on it. The reason I started watching it every night is because I kept falling asleep on it. Um, and I watched it for like, I watched it all throughout my pregnancy with my daughter too. Like every night going to bed, it was my favorite movie. <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch that movie again this week. Hopefully it was my favorite movie, but I kept falling asleep on it. So my mom saw the whole thing before me and she was telling me all this stuff about the movie. So then I definitely had to watch it. And then it just became one of my favorite movies. There's just so many scenes in it that um, are just hilarious or that the music is just really good or just like, I don't know. Um, but, um, so, okay, I skipped ahead. I'm going to skip back and then I'll catch back up to Rent. But... Um, they told us that our mother would be basically a vegetable and they wanted to prepare us for this. Like, cause mommy had told us that like, she was fine. It's just a small biopsy. Like, don't worry. I'm going to be in and out. Can you pick up the kids for me? You know, from school, I'll be home soon, you know? And then they came and told us that after she had already been taken for surgery. And so it was just like, oh crap. Um, and I was up there by myself. And then I remember like calling did I go through the first one by myself? Were people there for the first one or the second one? I don't know. But then, like, she came out of the surgery. And my mom was, like, 
walking. Um, I'm trying to think. When was her first surgery? Was I already pregnant with my daughter? She had two surgeries. One surgery I was, her second surgery I was pregnant with my daughter. So the first surgery was before, yeah, the first surgery was before I got pregnant with my daughter. Um, but I want to say I remember being in um, intensive care maybe three days, maybe four days. She was definitely down to the progressive care unit um, within a week. And she was walking by the end of that day and we went home the next day and they were just shocked. Like she was talking, she was walking, like my mom is not the kind of person that you can say she's going to be a vegetable and she's just going to accept that. Like, and I'm not either. And my sister's not either. And my brother's not. None of us are. We're just not made from that stock. If you tell us this, we will prove you wrong. <laughs> my mom was walking by that day. So, um... They were amazed and she came home and there were just so many things like they didn't think she, you know, they thought she would have to be in a wheelchair and she was just doing all kinds, even like her getting up and down from the floor on, um, with the injury that she, the brain injury that she had was extraordinary. Her talking everything. And I remember one night my mom, I told her about like, um, I told her about everything that I've tried and, you know, different people and different things. My mom had a pretty good and clear understanding of who I was as a person, whether it horrified her or not. Um, we were close enough for that. And she never gave me any reason to believe that she would judge me for telling her the truth. And like a good mom, she just held it all in her heart and didn't tell me until her deathbed that I would scare the life out of her telling her the things that I told her um but yeah so fast forward I remember we were watching Rent and the song comes on um will I lose my dignity will someone care will I Tomorrow from this night, my mom, that movie, like it said all of the words that she just could not say to anyone. And it was just such a powerful moment watching that with my mom. And just realizing, like, that's all she was asking me for was her dignity. Um, and so any decision that she needed made, if she told me, like, she didn't want family to know certain things or, you know, that she just wanted to be thought of a certain way. And um, I did that for her. We went as far as we could with the doctors and with the health care that was available. We went further. Like, um, I was coming from a place where I had worked in the medical field for several years and had only had about a year and a half in the holistic whole wellness side of things. And so I had, 
um, a lot of faith in the medical side of things and really threw myself into that um, as far as, you know, new cutting edge treatments and medications and blah, blah, blah. Um, and diet, like I knew diet was important just from living in California and just from talking to her oncologist and, you know, him acknowledging how much her food played a role in what she was eating. And he was just a really cool doctor. Like he told us a lot of things that doctors don't admit. And he was a pretty high up, high up doctor, but he was just very legit. Um, and he just told my mom the truth. He didn't sugarcoat it for, for her. Like even some doctors that I worked for would. Um, but like I said, there were a lot of mistakes made. Um, one doctor, and I had to read these doctors a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I was in the, you know, I went to school in gastro, um, enterology. <laughs> um, I went to school in GI and brain cancer and liver cancer and medical procedures and medications and side effects when my mom, uh, got diagnosed. And I remember smartphones were like sort of new, but then I had a teeny tiny screen. I had a palm, a little palm phone. Um, and it was tiny. It could fit in the palm of my hand, but it had the internet on it. And I read about everything. And I looked up all these journals and I would communicate with the doctors back at Mass General. And just, whoop, that's the sound of the police. Whoop, whoop. Okay. Yeah, but one of the doctors left her on a medication for too long that she was only supposed to be taking for two weeks. Like, I think, um... They kept refilling it in the pharmacy for, she was on it for about six months. Um, was it six months? I want to say it was six months. Um, ended up having a huge seizure that led to a huge brain injury. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge setback for my mom's motor skills and different things. And we fired that doctor. Mm, there was fire, but we fired that doctor and we got a really cool doctor, um, Dr. Woosley. And he was the first doctor that, that we fired. Um, he was very, um, arrogant. He was like the golden child of the department. He was the best of the best. And so we were supposed to be honored to have him, but he was not a good listener to my mom or to me. Um, and he was not very, he didn't have very good bedside manner, you know, like the brilliant ones often, um, spend so much time with their books that they just don't know how to interact with people. And they're accustomed to people just doing what they say and not asking any questions. And so, um, he was the one who was his, it was his office that made the mistake, but I felt like his arrogance is what led to, um, the mistake being a possibility. And so we got a really cool doctor after that that really vibed with my mom's like spiritual needs and her sense of comfort and switched over from a less hostile um, GI doc and oncologist. And we got some really cool people then. Um, Dr. Eckenrode was awesome. We got some really cool people. Um, and there was a procedure called CyberKnife that was new 
and I had read all about it and the doctor that was that was the one who was like leading the procedure was amazing um, the facility was top-notch and he did the procedure and it worked really well and then it kept working and it kept working and it kept working and it stopped eating the cancer and started eating my mom's healthy brain tissues um, and so then the most heartbreaking day of his life, because my mom's speech started getting really bad and her motor skills started getting really bad, um, was him telling us that um, she had to have another brain surgery. And y'all, I can't believe I let these people slice into my mom's head once, let alone twice. The second time really hurts my heart. The first time had to happen, but the second time, like... It just really, like, it does something. It does something to me if I think about it. I just I have to shake it out of my head. Um, and that recovery was a lot harder. It was a lot harder. Um, my mom um, was literally in, in hell. And I had to remind her all the time for even for months afterwards, um, I would have to, there was a certain time, certain time of night from like two to four in the morning that I would have to make sure that she knew that she was alive, that she was not in hell, that she was with me, that she survived the brain surgery, that she did not die, that she was not alone. Um, and that was my life for about um, six months, six months, every night from two to four. That's actually like why my child is such a night owl. <laughs> um, when she was born, I would hold her and we would go in my mom's room and we would sit on the bed and my mom would play with her and I would just convince her that this was really happening because Satan would tell her that she was dead and that nobody could hear her and that nobody cared. Um, and, um, yeah, there was, I don't know how I went on this tangent, but I guess it's good. My, my sister-in-law was here today and her mom, um, her mom has only been gone for four years. My mom will have been gone for 10 years in July but it was just her mom's birthday and her and her sisters get together every year and do a celebration but because of COVID-19 not this year no bueno so um I think that's why I was thinking about my mom but also just getting off the phone with my sister and I was realizing and remembering some things that had to do with my mom and just kind of like these dreams that I'm trying to like launch into the earth right now. Um, I've just been kind of packing them, packing them, packing them, but now I'm just ready to light it and launch it. Um, that they came, they were born out of that time, like all of these things. Because um, I remember my mom was so sick. And 
I knew, I didn't know how exactly, I did not know how exactly, but I just really, really believed that cannabis would heal her and that it would bring some relief and that, and I, you know, still feel like my mom would have made a full recovery. Um, but, um, you know, that wasn't the, the plan and the purpose for my mom. And she knew better than I did what the plan and the purpose was for her life. Um, and she was fine with it and she embraced it. And, you know, we always want to prolong things, but some things have to happen. They shape us. And um, my mom's, you know, her death was foretold and foreseen many, many years ago. Um, it's just shocking when you're in the moment of it and it's happening and you realize it and you look at yourself in the mirror so that you can remember what you looked like when you had a mom it's that um but I remember my mom really really hated all of the medication and I think you know the first after her first surgery she was just I was pimping out the medication to her too like you take this at 12 you take this at 2 you take this here like you need two of these three of these one of these you know like we had a little system and she recovered so quickly and everything that I think like taking all the medication wasn't um, it wasn't a struggle for her because it's like, yeah, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to live. I'm going to survive. But then after that medication mistake, then she started and I started to to distrust um, people and to distrust the medication and to just kind of the room for error, the margin of error. And we started looking at um, more alternative sources, but without insurance or without with insurance especially if you're on any kind of government assistant you're limited to where to where you know that insurance will cover and you have to see certain doctors and God is good like my mom was always given like the best of the best doctor at every facility that we went to. Like, it was always, like, the head somebody. <laughs> like, we had extreme favor. Um, and that's just something that, that's just something that happens in our life that, that doesn't surprise us. We know God has our back. Um, you know, because it's definitely not people. Um, but, yeah, I... Remember just really, really, really wanting my mom to try cannabis. And one night when she was recovering from her brain, first brain surgery and she was laying on this um, this uh, air mattress in my sister's living room. And it was also like so I could sleep next to her too. Like I just needed to be next to my mom. <laughs> and we all needed to be in the same house. And that was my sister's house. Um, at the time, my mom's place would have been too small for everybody. So my sister's house is where, and my sister had the big TV and all of the DVDs and, you know, the kitchen and we would just all cook and watch movies and just, you know, laugh. Um, but I was laying down next to her and I had only at this point had moved back to Oklahoma from Oakland, I had only been 
let's see, I moved in March, nope, when it's Kai's birthday, May, because I arrived for my niece's birthday, on her birthday, her eighth birthday, so May, and I guess that would just be June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, eight months I had been home, so I was looking at my phone, and it was just like a a um all of my pictures were on a slideshow and I was just looking at all my friends and just all the different things I had taken pictures of and like um so there were there were more than enough cannabis shots and my mom like the next day told me that she just watched it over and over all night and she didn't mention anything about cannabis she just told me how beautiful all the pictures were and it was just really cool like okay yay so the door to talking about cannabis never felt closed for me. And honestly, like, if you said LSD could cure cancer, I would have talked to my mom about taking LSD. So that's just me. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about it and there were so many times that she would like, almost and then she would laugh like no we can't do that until she's like I can't do it and I you know wore her down on so many different levels about her reasonings for not being able to do it and then in the end it was it's illegal and it was just like crap <laughs> like can't argue with her about that but she was also like a minister and she just felt like it was wrong for her to do it um and I just really wished at that time that I knew how to make edibles because I felt like if it was just in like a little chocolate that I could get her to do it because I had like severely limited her sugar and her chocolate. My mom had a big sweet tooth and I would give her one little, I was so mean, I would give her one little block of like a piece of dark chocolate and I think it'd be like at least 75% and have her just like hold it on her tongue and like let it dissolve like we attacked her cancer really hard with diet and we won for a really long time it was actually not until and it's probably because I was so strict <laughs> not until my mom just rebelled and ate every single like she snuck out the house one day and came back with $80 in pudding, Little Debbie snacks, sodas, everything. She claimed it's because I was pregnant and I needed to eat these things, but it was for her. Um, I ate a lot of the things to keep her from eating them, but I did not need it. I did not need it at all. Um, but yeah, so during that time and just kind of like, um, during that time is when I really, really, really wanted to, um, have some type of service or place or spa or something that offered healing and, um, just like different services and stuff that would benefit my mom and, I know at one point I even thought about just like burning and that's what we were talking about tonight on the phone. If I could have just burned cannabis in the air 
And my sister was like, You're my mom would have hated that because of the smell. And I'm like, I think she would have hated it in the beginning, but if she would have gotten over her nausea or like her nerve sensitivity or just like had her appetite back at different points or was able to laugh or sit up, like I think she would have gotten over it enough to not say anything. But, you know, I was a poor new mom back then. I did not have cannabis to burn. I didn't have cannabis to smoke, let alone to burn. Um, but I was talking to my sister and we were just talking about this all tonight. And then it's just like all of these ideas came rushing back to me about just where it started and what I wanted to create because I've just been stuck on, um, writing a, writing a business plan and writing a mission statement um, and mainly like the business plan, I feel like we'll follow and that business plans, like just, I feel like that can be more formulaic, but the mission statement has to be from the heart. And I had all these ideas, but I couldn't figure out what the mission was, what the purpose was. And so, um, last night I was really just, um, focused on this on this question and I think like to circle way back to the beginning back in the day um not smoking for however long it's been I can't remember but not smoking was like the best thing ever um I started this vegan challenge like I said with some friends and it's not a strict vegan challenge and I'm a freaking flexitarian anyway. Um, but it was like the timing of it was just like necessary. Like I wanted my food to come from farms and I wanted like something that challenged this within myself and, you know, um, watching what the health and just sort of careening down this path that, um, landed me where I was kind of trying to trudge to with the cannabis wellness plan and everything. It just kind of like everything collided and being clear headed for that. And that first week, especially having crazy amounts of energy, drinking lots of water, got in some really good hoop sessions, like really good hoop sessions. It's been hot AF as my daughter would say. Um, and so just a lot of good sweating. My skin is a glowy, glowy situation. Um, really good showers have been going down. <laughs> like really good, like self-care showers have been happening um, on a consistent basis for both me and my daughter. It's so encouraging. Um just to, you know, like showers can happen. Showers can happen kind of haphazardly and just hit everything and get it over with. But having like making sure that you're like just really taking care of your skin and then the aftercare and then everything has just been so amazing and leaning towards the life that I'm trying to build and lead. Um, for myself first before I can be a beacon of light to others but 
then also just feeling like a definite shift in momentum towards like now is the time to start like stop making this excuse about moving or leaving like prepare for it but by any means necessary how do you start it today how do you start it now how do you start it here um and then also like thinking about it on scale now how do you you know start it you know how do you do it with excellence how you do it to scale and how do you do it in an impactful way and what is your impact? What's the purpose of it? And last night, I, you know, when you kind of know what you want and you type it in on the internet and the internet just completely blows your mind with all of the different meanings that that one thing you typed in can have. And you're just like, no, where's the easy one? Where's the one for, where's the one for, you know, absolutely zero skill? Like everything was like easy, blah, 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 to do such and such starts by building a geodesic grid and, you know, like, or like it starts with one stone and then suddenly it's like 300 stones in a spiral and it's like, you know, I was looking up things like, no dig gardens and herbs, herb spirals and just, you know, trying to figure out how to start these things and garden containers and just everybody was like easy and they were just being kind of snarky in this way and it was just like not like something that looked to me like what I was going for at all and seemed very difficult and just very like obnoxious and I was feeling very overwhelmed um but I um I I found this speaker this I like ended up looking at one video that led to have you ever like clicked on the one video that you keep seeing that you keep seeing and you click on it and it's like yeah this information is cool but it's not really just blowing your mind but it's like oh yeah okay cool this wasn't a waste of my time and then right below it is the video that's going to change your life it was one of those um and so I've just been like, last night, instead of getting overwhelmed, I just shut everything down. It was like, I'm going to sleep. Um, and then I woke up in the middle of the night and listened to the speaker. And fortunately, like, I'm seven years, four years late to the game. So there's tons of videos. <laughs> and everything is on what... There's a range of topics, but there's a pretty lengthy section on what I was trying to figure out, which was purpose and vision and just some different things. And I woke up in the middle of the night listening to it. I woke up early this morning listening to it. Like pretty much any time I would open my eyes, I would just click on a different message and listen to it until I would fall asleep. And then today I was getting a lot of cleaning done and I was listening to it. Um, listening to all of his little talks and then um, I was also preparing myself I was I was set to have a telephone call with a guy that runs a permaculture group and 
helps people start the farm, helps them find financing, helps them assess the land, do soil evaluations and everything like that. Um, and does like a, um, he has a six week internship where you can just like see if Green Acres is the life for you. Do you know that? Green Acres is the life for me. Farm living is a something. Mm -mm. No other place. Da 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 I'm going to catch my thought here because it's there listening to this all day and just doing some things that I felt like because I kind of got a little bit down and in my feelings about still living <laughs> in my house and potentially living here. I haven't really like fully committed to the fact that I'm going to live here this month, but as I'm a week in, it's looking likely. <laughs> but no guarantees. When I get the sign to go, I go. Um, but um, I just like continuing on the path where it's like if, you know, I'm in my brain, I'm so ready to go that I would go tomorrow. But honestly, if I had to go tomorrow, I would get it done, but it would be some pain. And so like in this uncertain time, I'm just being obedient and doing the things that I'm hearing to do. And so part of that is to go through all of my clothing and just really pare it down. Um, we've got a ton of it. It's just everywhere. It's just spill. It's all over my daughter's room. It's all over my room. It's in her closet, my closet, the living room closet. There are clothes in the garage. It's like, who wears these clothes? And the main reason I want them gone is because, uh, they like I have to wash them all um and it's just not cool so I had this clear this qualification that if it was not a natural fiber that it had to go problem being a few years ago I decided that I would only buy natural fibers so my pile of clothing that I'm keeping has quickly grown to a lot bigger than I would like for it to. It would be cool to be left with like 10 to 20 pieces I really liked, but at this rate, I'm not even to my most favorite clothes. So um, I'm gonna have to be a little more strict with myself. I saw a, a person on Instagram today and her little outfit was so crispy and so on point and so her that it was just like, I, I need to get rid of it all. <laughs> I just need to get rid of it all um, and make it myself. I just really, you know, like it doesn't, doesn't fit my mode, my vibe. And like, I really just don't want to relocate it to another place, to another city. That would be kind of depressing. I'm sick of that. Um, because it just ends up on the floor or in the closet that I never go into. And it takes up so much mental weight um and just physical space and it, I just want to fill my atmosphere without it um but anyway yeah so I've just been hi what kind of little buggy are you there's so many bugs in my house right now you guys <laughs> I miss pesticides 
Just kidding. I'm going to find like some natural things. I live in a completely pesticide free um, home. And um, I always ignored that my old landlord sprayed pesticides. They told me about it, but you know, it was just like it's their rule. But I never realized how much I benefited from it. But I understand why. I don't need to do it. I'm not, you know, no lectures. I understand why not to do it, but man, who knew the amount of bugs that existed in this world, in this city, in this house, old, old house. Um, but yeah, so I listened to my motivational speaker all day and I was supposed to have a call with this guy, but I'm, you know, just trying to, by any means necessary it. And so... You know, phone bill seems like something that it's not entirely necessary to pay a large chunk for. So I'm trying out doing just like an internet app phone thing and then looking around for, I'll probably do a really, really basic phone service that doesn't cost much for when I'm out. But um, I don't talk on the phone that much, so... It's been, I haven't really, I've only talked to my landlord and I want to say my sister once and my daughter once, but I was trying it out uh, for the phone. I've been mainly doing FaceTime and Messenger, which is weird that I do Messenger, but I do Messenger a lot. <laughs> um, and I Instagram has one now. I don't know if I'll try that, but um, yeah changed a lot if that's no longer a paranoia for me but it's just like what are you gonna do um but yeah so listened to him all day and was trying to just like figure out like what is my purpose what is my purpose what is my purpose like I know what my aesthetic is I know what I want I know kind of where I want it but you know, and I kind of know why I want it, but why, why do you care? Why does it benefit anyone? What does it benefit? Who does it benefit? How does it benefit? Um, and so I wrote down like all these amazing notes while I was doing it. Um, and there was a, a point in the day where I thought like, man, you know, I'm glad that I had all this time without cannabis to really think about this, but realizing that the the little ways that I am doing things, that I'm doing them by any means necessary, but that it's also okay to think about doing them with excellence because I, you know, there's, there is an aesthetic in a way that I would like to do it and that, that matches up with purpose. Um, and, and it really aided in me being able to let go of a lot of things. But I was also thinking like, okay, you're going to, you know, like, I wonder when you're going to smoke again, you know, for, um, you know, for the next phase, which is the creative phase, how to putting these things into action, like thinking really rational is cool. And then I like to flesh those thoughts out with, the, the dreamy undertones and that's where cannabis comes in and also my mood was way up I did during this time um, I was taking holy basil every day one holy basil capsule every day 
I decreased my coffee intake instead of having several cups throughout the day. I only had one cup in the morning and only after having 20 ounces of water and then I would have coffee and then I would have more water and if I still wanted something else besides that then I was having a hot ginger infusion and then at night time if I wanted something I was doing a hot ginger infusion with ground flaxseed and it was pretty delicious and so um, it was just a cool little routine and lots of water. I'm drinking water now out of my little Otagiri San Francisco mug. Um, but my brother and my sister-in-law came and we always hit up Project Relief whenever he's in town. And so tonight... Yeah, that sounds like shooting. I'm gonna go check on my daughter.